0: Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association.
1: And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday.
0: Well, we are joined today by Misty Bradley, vice chair of Oklahoma Plaque. Misty, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, before we get into plaque, just, uh, to know everyone to know how, uh, fancy Misty is. She also is, uh, founder of the, a co-founder of the Edmund chapter of plaque and right now staying quite busy also with three kiddos in public schools. So Misty has things going on. Um, Misty, give us an overview for folks who might not be familiar with plaque. What, what is it and what do you guys do?
2: Well, first of all, there is, I say plaque, but we have, um, there is a real division among our, our plaque people on whether we say PLAC or plaque because oh. there are lots who oh, no. don't like to say plaque because it reminds them of the nasty stuff on your teeth, but oh, I think no. plaque is way easier to say. I've also uh, heard PLAC.
0: Pla- oh my gosh. This oh, is, really? yeah, I don't <laughs> like that one, but we are already start. I'm sorry to start everything <laughs> off on such a divisive foot. <laughs>
2: Well, who knew that there was, you know, going to be such uh, a motion over what we call ourselves, but it stands for Oklahoma Parent Legislative Action Committee. Um, It's a nonpartisan statewide organization. Um, We've got a lot of passionate volunteer advocates and what we do is um, we support our public schools and Mm. we promote policies that protect and and support and strengthen our school system our public school system in the state of Oklahoma um, and actually okay PLAC maybe I'll say it both ways several times today to make everybody happy <laughs> <laughs> serves as a um it's really an umbrella organization there were several local chapters of PLAC throughout the state and we um a couple of years ago came together and created this stronger bond um, and power in numbers, yeah. and our shared goals of really just promoting public s- schools and education and teachers in Oklahoma because we know they are the backbone. Of, they're the backbone of Oklahoma. So
1: yes, yeah, and and so even though the different chapters may have a few different goals, you know, for their that are unique to their communities, what are some of the overall goals of of the Parent Legislative Action Committee? Well,
2: and, you know, honestly, every session our, our goals stay basically the same. That how we, we we may have to tweak them based on you know whatever comes up in um, in bills and things that legislators bring forward. But it really boils down to this: we 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 want standards and goals and revenues that make sure that we have high quality public schools in mm-hmm. every community in Oklahoma. And we are passionate about equity and transparency, accountability, and and we know that that takes, you know, state revenues that ensure our fiscal health because we know, it takes it takes funds to provide yeah. a quality education for all of our kids. It does, and that's something that Oklahoma has struggled so much with. And so while we wish we weren't talking about money all the time, we talk about money a lot. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's. That really, if you speak to any one of us in, in PLAC, it is about equity for all of our kids, making sure that we are educated and that we're creating stronger communities and a stronger society and a stronger state of Oklahoma.
0: Yes. So, I mean, this year, you know, you when you talk about money, this year is such a, an unusual year and the mid-year adjustments have just come out and about 500 school districts in our state out of about 540 have lost revenue at the state mid year adjustment and more than a hundred have lost 10% or more. And there are 15 school districts actually that have lost more than half of their state aid, um, because of all of the Mm -hmm. enrollment chaos. Um, so. It's devastating. Yes. And so, I mean, I know that, you know, nobody likes to talk about money over and over, but this year especially is just such a, a crazy year. I mean, it's like those conversations with lawmakers are gonna be i mean they're gonna have to be ongoing
2: ongoing and and unfortunately, you know we're concerned about you know um always concerned about privatization efforts, but yes. there seems to be so much talk even this year and 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 you know understandably people are they're just it's a volatile situation mm-hmm. and so we're in a, we're in a place where we really have to protect every penny for our public schools. Um, you know, I'm in Edmond public schools, might have three kids in Edmond public schools mm-hmm. and, um, we lost, you know, quite a bit per student and it, it left about an $8 million deficit.
0: Man, And,
2: and we also did not, we did not, um, benefit as much from cares money as many public schools on the title one status. Right. Um, and, and what we all know those, that those schools need help. Also, COVID hasn't really um, cared whether your school was Title One or not, you know? Yeah, right. So what we really yep. need is FIT and the State Department of Education to look at allocating their discretionary cares to money to those districts that received less than, say, $250 per student because all districts have the same COVID concerns, and that costs money, and that's not dependent on Title One status. So yes. that's something. A place we've seen where some inequities are happening in how we're trying to, to cover these gaps.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, there's like a little bubble of schools where you're not getting, you're not getting as much federal funding, but you've also lost money in state, you lost state money because of enrollment. Yeah. And it is, there's a gap. And there are lots of districts that fall in that sort of middle income district yeah. gap where you rely on state funding. But, you know.
1: And then we have private schools who uh, were allowed to get uh, the paycheck
0: protect- protection PPE
1: they were allowed to get uh, additional funding through the CARES Act mm-hmm. and um, and so they uh, you know they've gained yeah because of of the pandemic and so it it's it's really you know uh, unequal there it, it is oh I'm sorry it is Go unequal ahead. and and you know as As public
2: school parents and understanding our state's constitution and its obligation to provide a healthy, robust education, Mm -hmm. a public education for every kid, a system that does that, Mm -hmm. that is what we have to be focused on funding and what we have to be focused on supporting. Um, And until that is fully funded and supported, that's where our focus needs to lie.
0: So I want to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier um, about the governor Um, this year. Also um, we're seeing quite a bit of um, effort to sort of split um, teachers and families um, to kind of blame one another for how schools are handling the pandemic. Um, And, for those of us who are on either side, many of us on both sides, um, that has been frustrating um, because mm-hmm. there's nobody who cares more about the success of kids than educators and their families. Um, so how are you guys viewing that uh, as a parent organization?
2: Well, <laughs> I could say a lot about this.
0: No, <laughs> no swearing. I think
2: it's. <laughs> I think it's really important um, – To make sure that we're speaking as parents and um we know that we are not scientists we're not virologists Mm -hmm. we're public school parents who want our children our teachers our staff our families our communities to be safe and healthy Mm -hmm. and so we know we have to listen to the experts and not politicians Mm -hmm. on how we come together as a community to make sure that happens yes and every single one of us is we want our kids to be in school full time and with their teachers mm-hmm. and with the people who love them and getting the education that we know that they all deserve. Mm-hmm. But we know that we need that to happen safely. And mm-hmm. we know that we need um, our governor to step up and do what's going to, what it's going to take to actually make that happen. And, you know, this week he, you know, quoted a study um, from North Carolina and we all know what happened with the governor this week, but you know, North Carolina has a lot of things in place that Oklahoma doesn't have like a statewide mask mandate and, and, and in-person gatherings are limited. And, and the fact of the matter is they have less community spread. So it's safer for their kids to be where they're at. And so we, we need our, we need our governor to do more than just divide um, parents against teachers and school districts. And we need him to listen um, to our our school districts and to our experts, yes. and, and do the things that are going to get us back in school safely. We all want to be there. No one is saying we want our kids to 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 not have the education that they deserve. No one is saying that we are are, are trying to dumb down our kids or or yep. or keep them from anything that they deserve. And and if anything, what we've seen is this pandemic has highlighted how important our public schools are. For the safety and mm-hmm. the education of our kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, we rely on our public schools, not just for education. We rely on them for counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a place where they get speech and other kind of therapies. Yeah. We, we handle food insecurities through our public schools. They're, they're a, the, a line of defense for our kids for their safety. It makes, you know, it's, they're warm, fed and, and cared for there. It's, It's important for kids' community and their mental health. Every single one of us want our kids there, but we have to do it the right way. We need, we we must do it the right way.
1: OEA completely agrees with that statement. I mean, that's where we've been this entire time, and that's why we've pushed so hard for a statewide mask mandate, because Mm -hmm. we know that 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 will help mitigate the community spread. Yeah. And um, looking at where we are today with 132 per 100,000 population cases versus oh the study that's been quoted when, um, when they had seven per 100,000, uh, y- you just can't use bits and pieces of research and say, this research study said it was safe when they were totally different um, circumstances, yeah. so making sure that we're masking, making sure that we're we're doing all those things to be safe in our communities, so that our schools can open, stay open, and continue yeah. to be open and not have to go in flux um, is is so important. You know, we don't even have the substitute teachers that we need to
2: to. In, in a normal year right right <laughs> and especially in a year like this right and also our our classes since the beginning of the year and we had kids um this semester in edmond come back from from virtual back to we're on a blended schedule mm-hmm. we're on an ab mm-hmm. schedule in edmond and our class sizes have grown at our elementary school to the point that there is you know 29 kids in a class Mm-hmm. Um. right now they're split between, you know, the A and B schedule. But if we go back five days, there's no way to social distance. Yeah. So. So, you know, Governor Stitt needs to needs to help us with how we get substitutes in right. there and how we how we're able to get more teachers so we can spread those classes out. And yeah. and then you also have to uh, you know worry about the room. There's just a lot of things and we have to listen to the experts. We mm-hmm. have to trust our school districts and the people that are making decisions in our school districts that they're doing it with the, I mean, they love our kids. They've been taking right. care, of, care of our kids all this time, you know? And so we have to trust that they are doing, that they, they know more than we do about the situation. They know what it takes to run the school on a daily basis. They know what it's going to take right. to keep our kids safe in this situation. Well, And, you know, this is a side note that I saw yesterday um, and I I wish I had the actual um, number of deaths that were updated today to, to say it. I'm not sure. Do you, do you all know those?
0: Not yet. I haven't looked I at time. it yet.
2: Mm-mm. Well, I know that we are well over 2,800. Yes. And um, my, you know, I grew up in a small town that was around, you know, uh, probably around 2,500 people. Mm-hmm. My husband came from Stroud, Oklahoma. I think there's somewhere around 2,700 people in population. I just can't imagine our entire town. Yes. One of our hometown being wiped out. Yes. You know, from, and I think that we're being desensitized by all of the negative news and all of the sickness and all of the deaths and the numbers. And and we're just so desensitized right now. And so I, I'm hoping that we can raise our empathy and raise our compassion and raise our understanding. And and Oklahoma has got to come together and do what it takes to get our kids back in school safely
0: yes if you could see me i'm waving my hands All um, the so. <laughs> so how can i know things you know like like literally everything things are different right now um but how can people get involved with with plaque plac, PLAC, P-L-A-C? <laughs> how can our <there laughs> <aren't> legislative <laughs> action because Many. i mean I there's the there's,
2: official i think the I asked the official, but I think they say like really PLAC, so maybe I should go with okay, that. Okay, PLAC. But, um, you guys
0: have chapters, but you also <laughs> have, not everybody has a chapter. So how do people get, how do people connect and get involved?
2: Yes, so they can definitely um, follow Oklahoma PLAC. It's OK PLAC on Facebook. Uh-huh. And um, we, you don't, they'll be able to stay apprised of when and when we do, you know, calls for, advocacy from from parents in that way it's it's just really staying in touch with a a chapter that's close to you maybe Mm -hmm. or if you just reach out to us we can help you get plugged into a chapter that's close to you if you're interested in starting starting a chapter of um parents and grandparents and community members who Mm -hmm. want to support your public schools reach out to us send us an email at okplac at gmail.com you just let us know that you're interested in learning more about starting a chapter or finding a chapter that you can get involved in.
1: Awesome. Um, We would love to help you with that. And, you know, one of my favorite things when I call, I know the, the genuineness of OKPLAC, because when I call um, Melissa Abdo, which is usually my contact, um, she always says, I'm going to have to run that through my executive committee Mm 1st and, and that's what it's about. It's about making sure that what, what you do as an organization is reflective of your members mm-hmm. and those who are, are part of your organization.
2: Yes, we, I mean, this is, you know, being a part of OKPLAC okay, has been, so, it has been really rewarding to see the people who are so genuine
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that just love our kids and love Oklahoma and love our public schools. We get um, accused of a lot of things, that I think the one thing we're guilty of is just pure love for our kids in yep. Oklahoma. And um, you know, we are just a grassroots set of parents. Set of parents. We don't have any money. We're not lobbyists. We're not anything fancy, except for parents who just are really um, dedicated to standing up for our kids and making, and not just our kids, but every kid. We care about. Kids in rural areas, we care about kids in urban areas, we care about kids in the suburbs. We know that every single Oklahoma kid is important and are worthy and deserve yes. an education that will build them into a stronger person and, and, and in turn, our state into a stronger state. Yeah.
0: Well, that all sounds very suspicious. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hmm. So suspect. <specific. laughs> I know. Well, Thank you so much, Misty, for taking the time to join us. And thank you for uh, advocating for our kids. It, we, we appreciate the work that, that all of you guys do.
2: It's our pleasure. And we appreciate OEA. And thank you so much for the time and opportunity to talk with you today.
0: We are joined today by Dr. David Chansom, who's the Medical Director of Infection Prevention for Integris. So, Dr. Chansom, how are you doing?
3: I'm great. Thank you.
0: Well, we know that you are quite busy under normal circumstances um, and probably quite busy right now. So we appreciate your time very much. Um, we wanted to talk to you about a, a, a few different things related to COVID right now. Um, first of all, can you kind of paint a picture for listeners about what, um, what things look like right now in Oklahoma hospitals because of COVID?
3: Um, Well, uh, it's been an interesting year for certain. We have been very flexible, come up with lots of new plans, been really creative in trying to make sure that we can get Oklahomans cared for. Um, Obviously, as a a practitioner and uh, part-time administrator at Integris, I I see most of it here, but we talk a lot with other hospitals around the city, around the state, Integris has a presence all around the state, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have seeing what's going on in a lot of different regions. It's been fascinating to watch the uh, pandemic evolve uh, since the first case on March 6th or whatever yeah. it was in Tulsa, um, to see how much it's changed and how much it changes every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so many different things. We've learned a lot along the way, but the hospitals are still really, really full. Yeah. Um, I think across the state, we're operating somewhere around 30 to 35% of all inpatient beds are occupied by somebody with COVID.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, we still see a lot of people even who leave uh, with COVID that, that come back with complications as a result of been, having been in the hospital for several weeks or yeah. sometimes even months. Yeah. Um, we see um, lots of new disease processes that we're just beginning to understand uh, and people have had and recovered from COVID. And, and, of course, we're still seeing a lot of people succumb to COVID. So it's a roller coaster of emotions. It's so happy and satisfying and edifying when we see people that are able to leave the ICU mm-hmm. um, and it's also heartbreaking to see people in the hospital alone uh, because of uh. the restrictions we have on visitation and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have, uh, I, I never would have imagined I'd see anything like this in my career. I've been practicing for 16 years now in private practice. And um, you know, I, when I first started training, I was at the middle of the AIDS epidemic in new Orleans and um, this It's just uh, the same sort of deal, but just on a a grander scale, like I just never would have imagined. What we've also seen, I think, more than anything, and um, I've said for a long time, I think the two most important professions in the world are teaching and nursing. Um, Obviously, we're seeing a lot of nurses step up to the plate, and they have come in every day, um, been super positive, been very um, helpful in us trying to come up with new plans and ways to help uh, administer care and they do it every day with a great morale and that is something that that you just um it it strengthens your soul so it's every day's a new every day's a new adventure but you know we we're getting pretty good at this we've seen a lot of it lately
1: <laughs> yeah so so as a believer in science um i i know that there have been a lot of changes of of protocols and what to do and not to do and and all of that since last March. I mean, talk us through how how those decisions are made.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, you know we've asked since the beginning that people have some grace with us as we continue to learn from
0: yeah.
3: the science, learn from the, the research and learn from our experiences. You know, I I think one of the things that um, uh, has been a little bit more controversial is the CDC when they pivoted from no masks to masks. Mm -hmm. And um, that generated a lot of controversy. And I think that I I supported um, the change to masks. I understand why it wasn't originally supported. Sure. Sure. Uh, because they were worried about about no masks for healthcare workers, and that was a real concern. I know yeah. now it seems silly, but back at the beginning of this, the thing we were most scared about was did we have enough supplies to take care of all these patients oh, and I, the
0: yeah we remember. sleeves
3: of masks went missing from the hospital, which believe me was happening that's you crazy. know then then um, we wouldn't be able to do that so uh, you know as as quarantine rules have changed, that's something that people kind of tend to harp on um, you know again, that, that is from science that has to be collected from research research takes time and this pandemic is moving uh, to borrow a phrase at warp speed Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know it's tough to get all of those studies together we've learned a lot of things on the fly um, and some of those things have been good some of those things have been bad for example you know we were scared to death at the very beginning that this thing was going to be alive on surfaces for three weeks because of some of the things we learned from the diamond princess cruise ship yes and and that turns out that that maybe it doesn't live that long on surfaces so it makes you know going out in public a little less um loathsome uh we've also learned that it is highly infectious in the respiratory routes and that's why the pivot back to masks was so so important so i have always asked that people continue to to follow the science science is allowed to change sure. um as new data comes forward you're allowed to question we you know, 600 years ago, we all knew the earth was flat until right. science proved that it wasn't. <laughs> right, so right. Uh, we're, we're allowed to change every now and again and, and go with the science to, to inform our decisions um, on, on very individual patient levels. You know, as new studies come out, we might use different, different treatments. We didn't mm-hmm. use steroids at the very beginning of this. Now that's the backbone of therapy. Yeah. Um, and, and as science comes out, we, we need to continue to be nimble on a population level, too. Uh, opening businesses, going back to church, going back to school, follow the science. And, and there are ways through this. Um, I believe strongly that knowledge is the greatest uh, combatant against fear and anxiety. And as we continue to learn more about this, I think that we'll see that continue to diminish.
1: We do believe that knowledge is power. Yes,
3: uh, it is. Absolutely. I
1: mean, so so with the science came vaccines. And, um, and questions about safety. Talk, talk to us about vaccinations for edu- educators especially because that's who our biggest audience is.
3: Yeah I think um, you know when the first iterations of the Oklahoma State Department of Health um, vaccine triage schedules or, or tiered schedules came out you know <laughs> teachers I believe were in phase three Mm-hmm. And they move that up to phase two. And in a lot of states, teachers have, have even gone in, in in front of that. I've got a friend of mine practicing in Mississippi and, and they're second in line on healthcare workers.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um because we recognize that keeping our healthcare workers in healthcare settings is is essential and we recognize that keeping our educators in educational settings is essential. Yeah. The vaccine is a good vaccine there's lots of misinformation out there about you know it'll change your dna it'll change your uh you know there's nano chips in it so you all of a sudden (laughs) want to buy everything from amazon you Uh, can or whatever mm -hmm. you know that 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 has to be fought with knowledge Uh, again knowledge is power it's our greatest weapon the vaccine is safe The technologies that went into the vaccine um um, our older, older technologies, my old boss was the lead investigator on the Pfizer study. And mm-hmm. I know that he's been doing vaccine sciences for 30 years. Yeah. He was doing it back with HIV when I was, you know, in, in fellowship. And, mm-hmm. and, um, the, the science is good. The science is sound. The vaccine is safe. I have taken it. You know, I, I I, 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 got a dose for my mom. You know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. give it to my mom. If I didn't right, think it was a safe right. vaccine. I'm um, not sure. Um, you know, the, the the components of the vaccine, messenger RNA, and then the cholesterol envelope. Remember, messenger RNA is something that your body produces on its own trillions of times every single day. We're <laughs> right. not introducing anything foreign into your body. Messenger RNA is composed of naturally occurring substances just in a specific sequence mm-hmm. so that we can kind of produce the target protein that we're looking for. So it's really, in, in a lot of ways, it's um, years and years and years of vaccinology, you know, since... Since Louis Pasteur first discovered the cowpox vaccine, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what science looks like 250 years later, where we're able to kind of come up with these um, uh, clever solutions that that combine DNA science and vaccine science and population science and epidemiology. I think the vaccine is very, very safe. Um, And I think the other vaccines that come along um, are on a more traditional platform with protein subunits and things like that, more like your traditional flu vaccine or tetanus vaccine um the science hasn't been rushed what we've been able to to do is is oh uh be more efficient about a lot of the red tape that comes through the studies yeah um, which again you know is because the 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 administer the, the the programs that administer those regulations are looking out for the safety of the public right. um so i i think that it's a safe vaccine i think that as, as an educator <clears throat> um uh we we have to we have to get our educators vaccinated and that's why they moved them up the schedule and we're asking the state to let us help them do that. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to be um, a place where teachers can go and get their vaccines and feel safe and get back to doing what they love to do, which is teach.
0: So I want to circle back to, you mentioned microchips. Um, (laughs) So there, there are so many myths out there. And I think that that is one of, I mean, it is, it's like a second pandemic within the pandemic of battling this misinformation. Um, Right. And, what are things that, that you've been hearing? What's a, what are myths that you want to debunk? What are, what are people oh, well, saying yeah. that are, is not correct?
3: Well, The, the one is uh, the, that, that messenger RNA will, will change your DNA. That's probably the one that seems to get the most traction mm-hmm. um, in the ether, at least in my experience, from mm-hmm. what I've seen. And that, that simply isn't true at all. It, it's, it's really kind of impossible to change your DNA once you're a fully grown person.
0: I would be um, taller. You can really that only was, change it at, that at, at an
3: embryonic level. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not possible. And, and, and this isn't something that would do that anyway. It's, it's all it's doing is you got to think of the messenger RNA as a recipe. It's giving your body the recipe to make a protein. So really all you're doing is giving it a recipe. You're not even giving it the, the it's making the protein from the, things that are already in your body that your body uses to make proteins every single day. It's just giving your body a recipe for a protein so that your immune system can attack that protein. And then when you actually come into contact with coronavirus, um, you'll have the antibodies already or you'll have the immune system cell mediated immunity and antibodies to be able to combat it. It's not doing anything to your native DNA at all. Um, The other myth I would say is, you know, the microchips and the nano chips that Bill Gates has put some sort of tracking device uh, in the in the in the recipe to be able to tell what we're doing and everything like that. I yeah. you know I would submit Bill Gates didn't need to do anything more than look at our phones to figure right? that out. I was going to say
1: that. I was yes. going to say. Spoiler <laughs> alert: You have a, a cell a phone. phone. Right. That's how they're tracking <laughs> you.
0: So what what are the what's a a common myth you hear around? Transmission? Are there is there are there misconceptions around what? Around, around transmission or um, quarantining? Spread. Yeah, anything like that, oh. that. What what's a common myth you hear about that?
3: Oh, uh, you know, I got interviewed not too long ago about do masks really work? Um, Masks do really work. The science is strong. Mm -hmm. The first question that anybody says is, well, then why do we have so many cases? The reason we have so many cases now is because we're not seeing big super spreader events. That's because we're wearing masks. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing a lot of cases from now is one-to-one transmission. I can tell you almost everybody I admitted last week when I was on service in the hospital knew exactly where they got it. They got it from a brother or a sister. Those places where we let our guard down. Yeah, that's interesting. Brother, sister, son, father, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, whatever. A known person at work um so the, one of the biggest myths is that masks don't work. they do work and if we didn't wear masks in public, we would probably be seeing about double the number that we're seeing now. Um, wow. one of the myths around transmission is that kids can't can't uh, transmit it and kids um, don't can't catch it. You know, it, it again, this is a new virus and we're learning so so much about it. When was the last time we saw a virus, that didn't preferentially attack children and people who have long smoking history. Yeah. This is a new virus in so many different ways, mm-hmm. and, and we're still learning about that. What we know about kids is they can catch it. They are much less likely to become ill with it, That they're more likely to be an asymptomatic um, case. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't seem to be as efficient of a transmitter. It's probably because of the strength of a cough from a two-year-old, Mm, it's not gonna be as strong as the strength of a cop from a thirty year old. It's not gonna go as far. But that doesn't mean that they can't give it. I've seen plenty of cases yeah. where grandkids came and and gave and, and and passed it to grandma and granddad. Yeah. Um <clears throat> why exactly is the science behind that we don't know, but but certainly anybody can transmit it. I would also say though that taking those precautions can really, really mitigate the transmission. And in environments where we've seen lots of kids, we have not seen these huge super spreader events. And a lot of it is because they have been taking the appropriate um, um, precautions to try mm-hmm. and mitigate the spread. Kids are great about wearing their masks. You know, yeah. they do a really good job. We say, hey, you need to wear your mask if you want to go to lunch. You know, yeah. they do a really good job of that. And we've seen that in a lot of different settings. So uh, I'd say those are two some of the bigger myths that we've heard.
1: What What would you want educators to know as as we are working in the classrooms and, um, and some, uh, starting back up, what are, what are the best safety protocols and and such that, that we could do?
3: That's a great question. Um, I would say when I have talked to some other places before about going back to school, one of the biggest things I really tried to focus on was, uh, the three W's wearing your mask, washing your hands and watching how close you were. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the biggest things that we can do, and I recognize in all settings, all settings are different. Uh, sure. A kindergarten classroom is very, very different than a 10th grade classroom. Sure. Um, but trying to really um, watch the social distance in the classroom setting, particularly kind of at the high school level, that's pretty doable, mm-hmm. where the teacher can kind of be at the front of the classroom, uh, asking your kids to stay spaced out, because that might matter later on for contact tracing, Yeah,
0: um, you point. know, when
3: we see that. We we know that probably it's less likely for a kid on the other side of the classroom to catch it from the kid you know that uh, that from the index case if they're 50 feet away. Sure. Um, wearing the masks work in the hallways so when the kids are changing classes. <laughs> um, um, but you know, protecting yourself and making sure to drive home, and, and and I would say more than more than anything, and I've I've asked this a lot of healthcare workers, of physicians, of nurses, of EMTs that we work with, respiratory therapists. I've asked them when they're in the community to model the behavior that they expect to see. And so it's important that people see the teacher Mm -hmm. wearing the mask if Mm -hmm. they see him at Walmart. It's important that that um, um, the community knows that the people that we're tasked with educating based on knowledge are using that knowledge for their own personal protection and for the protection of the community too. So I would encourage them to um, follow the local guidelines and, um, and again, be the be the the positive um, models of behavior that we know can impact the disease spread.
1: Love it! Such so that, a good point. You put it in a <laughs> in a box, wrapped it up, <laughs> and put a bow on it with that last statement.
0: Well, we we appreciate you so much for coming on, Doctor And We appreciate the work that you do for our community, and um, and we are thinking of you all and praying for you all. Um, and appreciate you very much.
3: Thank you very much. We could use all the prayers and positive energy that that the community can muster. Keep that Oklahoma standard at work.
1: Absolutely. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. All right, we've got two registration things. Number one, Today is the last day to register to vote for February 9th. So, if you've moved, if you change in party registration, if you're, you know, uh, if you haven't registered for some reason in your entire life, if you're a new, newly turned 18 year old, register today. It's most, the last day. Most counties have elections in February. And all elections have consequences. Fact. Every single one all from levels. county commissioner, school board. City Council, yep. uh, they are all important. Yep. And, and those are the kinds of things that are coming up on February 9th. Um, as well as, uh, a replacement in, in my area for Senator Vice's legislative right. seat. That's right. So, um, so I'm looking forward to voting for that. Um, the second thing to register for is the vaccination portal. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Uh, vaccinate.ok.gov is where you go for that. So, um, so make sure you register to get a vaccine or, or to get in line to get a vaccine. To I get, mean, yeah, to get contacted know, right. so that when your number comes up, you can go and, and take care of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my husband had his second vaccine. He works in healthcare. Great. And, great. um, the one thing that I wanted to ask Dr. Chansom is could they, um, administer some form of things so that people don't whine? <laughs> like is 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 that a thing could they take the wine out of uh there's,
0: there's no medical solution
1: yeah of fragile men who <laughs> sorry joe <laughs> that that was just some truth telling right there about the priest family um <laughs> too much information maybe uh and then uh a- another thing is that we uh, joy hoffmeister our state superintendent contacted us and wants to do some more outreach to educators um she is used to traveling all over the state going to schools meeting with folks and and with the with the um COVID. she has not been able to to meet with as many educators as possible so um so we've been working together and came up with a couple of town halls that we're gonna have so be on the lookout Uh, and listen out because this is a podcast Uh uh, for those dates and uh, information on that. That's going to be coming out next week. That'll be good. Uh, Yeah. It'll be interesting. So, I mean, there are lots of things to talk about in education right now. So much happening. So many things. And finally, um, Monday is the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. Mm -hmm. And we at OEA uh, celebrate that. And so our offices will be closed on Monday. Um, we will have uh, a group in the Tulsa MLK Parade, and um, we encourage everybody to go online and watch that. It is, um, it's all different this year. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, sure. it, it's, all, it's all floats and cars. No bands, no dancers, no walking. Yeah. It is, um, it is safety. Right. As right. as it should be. I was just thinking, how do you parade and no crowds? Yeah, yeah. So, um so we're not allowed to hand anything out if right. there were to be a crowd. Right. Um and so uh so we'll be spreading the message and and promoting that uh, Tulsa's got one of the I think they've got the oldest parade in the United States uh-huh. for um, for Martin Luther King Jr. So day. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. So we are super excited to be a part of that every year. Cool. Um, so watch it online and look for us. And find a way to, the, the theme this year for, for that parade is Stand Strong for Justice, Truth, and Freedom. Yeah. So as you are either working with students or if you have uh, the day off, Uh, reflect on that. How are we standing strong uh, as educators for justice, truth, and freedom? Cool. Um, So
0: I am so excited that your husband has got his second shot. That's awesome. I am not eligible yet, but I have signed up on the statewide vaccine portal.
1: Alicia, have you? Um, Thank you for asking. And I will embarrassingly admit that every day I think about Oh, my God. Signing up on the portal. Every day yes. I tell others to sign up on the portal. And yet. And every day I fall asleep before I <laughs> sign okay. up on the portal. This is uh,
0: garbage. So I'm, I'm going to need you to also register. Um, everybody. I mean, everybody should register. It's free. Um, the vaccine's free. At least get your name in there. To, so that you're alerted when you can start signing up for appointments. Are, are you, are you volunteering to be my accountability partner? I will be your accountability buddy for this process. Um, and I will publicly shame you until <laughs> you do that. So we're, there will be a check-in next week. So, so listen in next week, uh, to find out if Alicia has gotten her life together <laughs> and filled out the vaccine. It takes, I mean, granted, it takes like maybe four minutes. So
1: could you maybe find four minutes? I I I will make every effort to stop the procrastination and sign up for the vaccination. I know I know that everyone's listening and not looking, but my eyes are large. <laughs> and know. I'm giving
0: her the stare. <laughs> I'm getting the stank eye really. So I think Alicia is going to get this done. I hope that you all will get it done. Um, we've got to. We've got to do this for ourselves, our families, our kids. Let's let's do it. Um, we want to say thank you so much today to Dr. David Chansom of Integris. Uh, also, Misty Bradley of Oklahoma. Legislative Action Committee um, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association.
1: And I'm Alicia Priest president of the OEA and a person who is going to sign up on the vaccination portal yes, this week. Thank you. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.